Okay. All right. So I want to welcome everybody who come on to um, both uh, Zoom and Facebook and um, and we're ha we have a very wonderful devotee with us today that will be doing the interview, Karangi Priya. She's a, a lovely second generation devotee. So that'll be, an, I don't think we've had any interviews with second generation devotees yet, have we? Maybe, I'm not thinking right now. So you, think may, so. you might be the first. So there is a distinguishing characteristic right from the start. <laughs> So I'm going to start by um, reading your bio, and, um, and then we can start with your questions for you. Okay, so um, Grungi Priya was born as Panchatattva Dasi, and I remember her as Panchatattva Dasi, into a Vaishnava family. Her parents are both disciples of Srila Prabhupada, <clears throat> and she spent her childhood in boarding school ashrams surrounded by a deep immersion in the culture of bhakti. And she married young at the age of 18 to Madan Gopal, and we've all had an interview with him. Um, and they had a beautiful ceremony in the Iskon Denver Temple. Um, they moved to Hillsboro, Chapel Hill area in 2003, where they still live with their three children, Gandharvika, Venu, Gopal, and Pranaya Kaley. And she met Guru Maharaj in 2004 and knew in her heart from the very first meeting um, with him that she had found her home knowing guide. It took longer for her head to catch up with her heart. And she did receive both mantra, diksha, mantra and diksha initiations on Janava Takarani's appearance day in May of 2006 at the first initiation Guru Maharaj gave in North Carolina. And I was fortunate enough to be there for that. Um, she loves bringing community together. She's invested in creating happy Krishna memories for generations of children. And she's committed to practicing bhakti yoga with like-minded associations. Association. She's the director of the Prem Natya Vidyalaya, it's a dance school dedicated to teaching the ancient devotional art of Bharanatyam and runs, and runs arts and Indian summer camps that fill to capacity every year since 2008. She has taught her arts of India classes as clubs at local private and charter schools for many years and is affectionately known in the area as Miss Priya. She's also a registered nurse and she worked for a year as a pediatric, in a pediatric clinic. She's currently taking some time off of nursing to assist her eldest daughter in moving to college, as well as focusing on self-care, sadhana, her health and her family. In her spare time, she in her spare time, she can find, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say in the spare, I don't know, what spare time do you have? She loves to garden, attend hot yoga classes, go on hikes, visit friends, write, break, bake, and craft. So that's a really nice little intro for us. Um, 
So Garangi Priya, we're gonna start off our interview again, just reminding everyone we're looking at the Sadika's journey um, and looking also, comparing it to um, Joseph Campbell's um, hero's journey and really seeing how all the things that we go through, the messiness in our journey, how it it's there to, um, to really bring out the best in us and to purify out the, the things in our heart that are getting in the way of really developing our spiritual qualities. So just um, continuing in that line of thinking, we'll start with asking the question, um, Grungi, growing up, I mean, you were born into a Vaishnava family, so that was a pretty good clue that uh, <laughs> you you were on a spiritual path. But um, anything that stood out for you personally, because I mean, I know a lot of children, including my own, that um, you know grew up as Vaishnavas, but it was there. There were things that happened in their life that really got them to, to be committed to the path. So I'm wondering if you want to share anything like that growing up. Okay. Um, so let's see. I guess we'll, I guess we can kind of get to that. Um, I, I do think that I always say that people that are born into a spiritual uh, tradition, they do have to come to a point where they choose it for themselves. And that is uh, always kind of a important part of their journey. Um, so I was I was born in the uh, Los Angeles temple, New Dorca. And um, my mother uh, always used to say that Agni Dave um, induced her labor because he led a really amazing Gora Artique uh, the night before I was born and she woke up um, in the middle of the night in labor. Um, so um, I think, yeah, so just, I, 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 I was, uh, okay, sorry, I'm feeling a little nervous. That's okay, okay. that's part so, of um, part of what you should be feeling. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, um, I kind of want to convey uh, as the title of the series is the beauty and the messiness. Um, so, you know, I, I feel like um, there was so much uh, beauty, you know, being surrounded by just, yeah, Krishna from the very uh, beginning of my life. And um, I was born on the Akadasi uh, in between um, Advaita Acharya's appearance day and Nityananda's appearance day. It's like a Akadasi in between that week or two. And um, <clears throat> so that was one of the reasons my mother named me Panchatapa. And she, it was kind of the season for the Panchatapa. And 
she also says that she it, she took her two weeks to name me. Um, <clears throat> and she said they used to read after the morning program. Uh, oh, they would read a little, a few verses of the Chaitanya Charitamrita. And so she came, they read the verse that says, if you, if, if you worship Panchatapa, easy things or difficult things become easy. And if you don't worship them, then easy things become difficult. So she said, I can, I need all the help I can get. <laughs> So I'm going to name her Panchatapa because, yeah, she needed, she wanted to make a difficult thing easier. Um, so, did yeah. Work? Did it work for her? <laughs> I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure they helped. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they helped. Um, so, yeah. And so my childhood was a mix of really deep immersion and bhakti and, you know, as well as, um, so I was born in 1979. And so just shortly after I was conceived about six months after Prabhupada passed away. And um, so I, I grew up um, and I wanna, I wanna touch a little bit on this just because later on it will kind of be important. Um, so I, you know, I grew up with, a like very strong um, connection with Srila Prabhupada. And, you know, I, I feel like, like I said, I, I kind of came into being just shortly after. And so there was like a very strong um, sense of uh, separation from him. You know, I remember Vyas Pujas that would go on for like eight hours with, you know, grown men just crying and crying and, you know, just a very, very um, palpable uh, loss. So, um, so yeah, that, that, um, that was definitely like a huge, you know, foundation, like Srila Prabhupada, my parents were his, are his disciples. And so he was really um, like my first connection to a guru. And, you know, I, I grew up saying his pranam mantras and, um, and, you know, and having, having real, uh, you know, spiritual experiences and connections. And, and I, I um, you know, I, I went to the morning program every day, starting at 10 days. My mother always, she took off the obligatory 10 days off that was required. But then I attended Mangal Artik every day. And I had, you know, really sweet relationships with the deities and places that I lived there was um, a lot of attraction to deity worship. And I, I attended um, Gurukulas for my entire education. So I graduated in high school 
from a Gurukula. So I never attended any kind of secular schools. Um, so I learned shlokas and visited India, which was very powerful for me. I went um, a few times when I was a uh, baby and then younger child and then also when I was um, 12, which was really powerful. And I, I had a really strong um, commitment to spiritual life. I, I took a vow when I was um, nine to chant a set number of rounds. And, um, excuse me. <coughs> and I increased every year until I was, I believe 16 when I was chanting 16 rounds. Um, and I, you know, I lived a very extremely pure lifestyle. You know, people, if they hear that I grew up in the eighties, you know, I have no, no reference of eighties lifestyle whatsoever. <laughs> no, not at all. So, you know, it was a very sheltered, pure lifestyle. And, um, so that was the real beauty. And I, and I've, um, really appreciated that, um, a lot in life now and just kind of that foundation of being able to really identify as a Vaishnav um, was very strong for me. And, um, you know, and of course there was, it was also the eighties were a hard time in ISKCON. And I know when, when some of the first interviews you did were with some of the first generation older ladies. And so, um, you know, I had that from a child's perspective and kind of, um, there was just, there wasn't any role models of how to raise children or how to have a family. And, and I think it was really, really tough to be, um, in a society that glorified renunciation so much and, uh, but then have children which naturally bring out affection and love and you have to take care of. And so, you know, it was a real um, dichotomy. And I did live away from home from the time I was five until I was 13. And when I was 13, I, you know, I just said, I'm not doing this anymore. I told my parents, I can't do this anymore. So it was really, it was really hard um, um, for me. Um, what was what was the hardest part, Gandhi, of living, you know, away from your parents? Um, so I well, yeah, I think I think I like. Sorry. It's okay. Yeah, that's uh, the messiness of. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was going to give a disclaimer that <laughs> I cry really easily. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, okay, the disclaimer. That was yeah. one of the hardest, <laughs> hardest parts of the interview. <laughs> it's yeah. going to be, uh, I'm going to try really hard. <laughs> Okay, I have a very open-hearted chakra. 
I was gonna say <laughs> it all comes out anyway. Um, so yeah, all of, of all the difficult things that I experienced in my childhood, and there were um, multiple things. Yeah, um, I think living away from home was what kind of impacted me the most. Um, just that difficulty and homesickness and things like that, and you know, and especially because I did. I was very lucky to have um, very loving parents and, you know, they had just been convinced by, um, you know, that other people would do a better job of raising me than them. Um, so, you know, that, uh, um, you know, that was a good thing because I always, you know, I did have them to return to and on breaks, I would go home and um, I was extremely um, attached to my father. And he, um, okay, ah. I quickly moved. Yeah, he, 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 he still is. And he was at the time he never um, <clears throat> hesitated. Uh, oh, he never hesitated in expressing love and affection. And um, so I think that gave me, um, you know, a lot of sense of security, but then it was hard to to have to leave that. Mm. So um, through, yeah, and through all the difficulties there, you know, anybody that knows um, Gurukulis, I mean, there was an epidemic of physical and sexual and emotional abuse. So um, I didn't escape that, but I never, you know, I had someone actually recently, a Gurukuli friend asked me, did you ever, um, you know, not want to be a devotee because she said, even me, I had a time where I had to kind of pull away or, and I thought about it and, you know, I never, never did. I never felt at all that, um, I don't, I'm trying to think of the best way. Yeah. I just, it, it wasn't like a connection to me that this is bad. And so this spiritual path is bad. So I had, I even remember um, one time I, I used to love listening to Kirtan's um, Agni Dave was a huge part of our home <laughs> growing up, his, his cassette tapes. And there was this great um, cassette with Jai Sachinandan. I think it was called, um, I can't remember the name of it. Anyway, he was a devotee, Jai Sachinandan, and he had, and I used to just love listening to that. And somehow it came up. I asked my mother, like, who is this? And, um, you know, she told me his name. And then she said that he wasn't a devotee anymore. I was about like eight or nine. I can clearly remember like being like just this wave of sadness coming over me. <laughs> and I was, oh God, sorry. <laughs> it's, 
okay. it's real. It's the feelings are there. And I'm being recorded and I'm on a video. Okay. 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 It's you're you're role modeling how to to be able to talk about sad things. Uh, be able okay. to have some tears. It's fine. I think okay. it's a okay. really good role model. Thank you. <laughs> Okay. Mm. Let me drink some water. <laughs> Water's good. <sighs> okay. Um, so yeah, just being like shocked that anyone wouldn't want to be a devotee. Yeah. So um, so yeah, I I um you know had so yeah so getting back to your question um when I was a teenager we moved to the Denver temple and I always like to say that that is kind of where I became a devotee mm -hmm. in you know in the first in one sense of the term my messiness extends for a long time <laughs> I'm gonna I was trying to think of how to yeah how to really focus this interview because it can get hard to focus and so I think that that was important to me to kind of focus on the beauty and messiness and in, in the different stages of my life so when I was a teenager we moved to the Denver Temple and it was a really powerful move for me first of all I kind of moved away from a lot of the dysfunction I was I lived with a really dysfunctional family when I was young and that was always around them. And so it was a move that kind of, I didn't know anybody there. We didn't know anybody. And there, it was a new space and I really blossomed there. We moved there when I was 15 mm -hmm. and I had my parents, they had temple housing. So we lived right across the street from the temple and I had active service. I used to make garlands. I took care of Tulsi. I, uh, you know, would cook offerings. I um, started going on Harinam regularly and it was a really um, strong samskar for me. I kind of think it was like my ashram days, even though I was still living at home with my parents. But it was a really um, beautiful time. And um, it was, I also started doing book distribution. My mother is a very stalwart book distributor. She still goes to this day. And so I, um, you know, I, I started book distribution and I, uh, yeah, I had some really powerful experiences. Again, that connection with Prabhupada was very strong. I, we one summer, that we traveled with the Grateful Dead concerts and we um, distributed books at in parking lots before the concert. And I was at the time probably 16, yeah, like 16, 17 years old. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, just really powerful experiences. I remember one day I distributed 50 hardback books wow. and it was just, yeah, it was just amazing, like connections with, uh, yeah, with Srila Prabhupada and just Lord Chaitanya and then the, of course the other devotees there. And so that's, yeah, I really feel like I chose um, my spiritual path there. And that was also when I started really searching for a guru. And 
you know, I kind of want to emphasize that I, I was the mod, kind of like a model devotee. Like I never, <laughs> I never had the urge to try things outside of the path of bhakti. I never had a desire or a need. I, I think because I lived away from home for so long, by the time I was 13, I was so happy to be living home that I never had like a rebellious stage. I was just happy to be living with my parents. <laughs> so, um, and that has its goods and bads, of course. You have to you actually have to go through that. <laughs> Developmentally healthy. Anyway, that's not for this time, but um, we also had, and that was um, a very pivotal point was that the temple president at the time had invited Kormarupa Prabhu. He started coming in 1995 to the Denver temple and we, no one had, no one had ever heard of Kormarupa Prabhu. He was a very um, simple sadhu that had lived in Vrindavan for decades. And, you know, this temple president kind of brought him out and invited him to come give seminars at the Denver temple. So he made a huge impact on me. And he was uh, my first, you know, real uh, living guru. I, I asked, I actually asked him for initiation and I felt, you know, very connected to him and he helped me so much. And he he spoke in a very, um, like a different way than kind of the normal, you know, maybe not normal, but just he had a nuanced way of presenting the philosophy. And also he was very, uh, liked to go deep with the uh, philosophy in a very special way. And so, uh, and, and he, he didn't initiate though. He, he wasn't initi initiating at, at, yeah, he never actually initiated disciples, even though he did have people that asked him, including me. And, um, and, you know, and, and going back to your question, I am trying to stay on track with that. I think one thing that was uh, kind of eventually my my spiritual path of course led me to Guru Maharaj and so when I think of your question what are some things that maybe showed you early on um that I think um there you know there was inklings to uh being a little bit of a different thinker you know for me because um authenticity and personalism were very, very important to me. And I had, I, when I was 14, when we were still living in Hillsboro before we moved to um, Denver, uh, we, we, uh, we had a car accident and, you know, we, my mother was trying really hard to get people to drive me and my brother to school and it was this struggle just trying to get people to come pick us up. And we had a neighbor uh, who was like a Christian lady and she came over one evening and she just wanted to check in on us. I think she had seen that we didn't have a car. Anyway, she was very friendly and personal. And, and it just, it started this like quest for me 
because <laughs> I, I noticed in my life that so many of the devotees who were like, quote unquote, strict, tended to be hard hearted. And they didn't have like a sense of compassion and real authentic relationships. And, you know, and then I would see the devotees who were maybe considered congregational members who you would see more during festivals or whatever, they seemed more authentic to me. And so it was this real kind of struggle to understand, you know, why are those that are practicing according to the rules and everything, why are they not developing a soft heart? And I, I even wrote, I remember I wrote um, Satsvarup Maharaj at the time, you know, I was, I would ask people this question as a teenager. Um, so, so this, this guru, this, you know, I, I knew that I needed a guru. It was a very, like I said, I was the model. I did everything. I was chanting 16 rounds. I was going to the morning program. I was a temple devotee. And so it was kind of the next step for me, you know, like that's the next thing that I needed to do. And so um, it was a very kind of like list, check off the list uh, thing for me. And, you know, before I met Kormarupa, I, I don't think maybe I realized it at the time, but, you know, I grew up also, uh, even though I was a child, it was still very um, impactful seeing so many of these gurus leave. You know, I, I personally had met like all of these Rameshwar, Bhavananda, Bhagavan, Hari Kesh, like I had you know, offered them flowers and got, gotten cookies and the whole thing, you know, like uh, it, it was, and so it was a very strange thing in the mid to late eighties where it was this constant gurus leaving and falling down. And even later into the nineties, I remember I was attracted to Jagadish Maharaj and then he um, also fell away. And so yeah, there was definitely a little hesitancy, I should say, you know, a little bit of, well, how do I know, you know, this isn't gonna um, happen to my guru. And some of the things that I think helped me uh, be a little bit thoughtful about this was, first of all, my the way my parents kind of dealt with the craziness of the 80s is they started preaching centers away from the big temples. And so they were pretty autonomous. They, um, they had um, a preaching center in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and then Lansing. I grew up mostly in Michigan as a child. And they had a really beautiful preaching centers. My parents are very personal and my father really likes to take care of people. And, you know, we made really beautiful connections with local people and we had really nice festivals and our, our the Gorni Thai deities that we are worshiping now, they were worshiped as in the preaching centers that my parents had. So that, you know, that was, it was, it was a little bit of that separateness that, that showing me, you know, that you can find Krishna and you can flourish and you can even preach um, outside of the 
you know, the temple itself. So that was a big, um, you know, yeah, that was kind of a, a, a important, even though, you know, even though I did live away, I would come home on the summers and I was, you know, part of that preaching center experience. And so, and yeah, and it was definitely some of, yeah, the happiest times was, you know, those, those experiences with preaching to people and having our own festivals, we would do plays and all kinds of really sweet experiences. And um, so, yeah, I, I, I needed a guru. That was kind of the next thing that I needed. Um, that and a husband because I was groomed to get married that was pretty much all I was groomed for Mm -hmm. Um, and the funny thing is I always say that to people and not in a terrible way but it's just the facts but recently um, somebody Keshava this boy that I grew up with he put on my Facebook page a picture of an article that had been done and he was staying with us because his parents were in India and so they he was part of the article and it was and someone had come in to do an article on like a Krishna family and so my family was the family and I I don't think I'd ever read this but in the very first sentence it says it introduces me and it says Kancha who's you know eight years old will be married by the time she's 16 and and goes on to list how my life will be. And I was like, wow, I really was. (laughs) So yes, it was an important- So they changed changed your name in the article? No, Pancha. Oh, Pancha, I thought you said Concha. Okay. No, Pancha, no, it was my name. (laughs) Anyway, that's just a little interesting side note. So yeah, I needed a guru and, and a husband, but, um, you know, and something, another thing that was important to me and some of my, a lot of my friends, they were waiting to find a guru until they got married so that they could just get initiated by the same guru as their husband. And for me, I was always, you know, a little unique. And I thought, no way, like I, my guru has to be my choice. I'm not going to just pick one that my husband has. Mm. So Anyway, I was, I, I would go to festivals and I would go to classes and I would listen to gurus. I was like on a quest, I'm going to find my guru. And when I, when Kormarupa, when I met him, you know, he, he, that filled that need for me, but he said, you know, I don't initiate, so I'll help you. But, you know, and he recommended some people like, you know, he said, these are people that I feel like have integrity and so it was a very, yeah, very head decision. Um, so I kind of, um, so then I, I want to move forward a little bit to, um, so then I did get married. I got engaged when I was 17 and um, married a year later when I was 18. And, um, it, you know, it could have been um, a not very good situation. Um I still, I still feel that I did get married a little too young, but it really worked out well. I got really lucky. Um, Mudden and I kind of really grew up together because he was also young. And in that sense, we, 
you know, we're able to experience um, a lot of sweet sweetness just kind of growing up spiritually as well as just growing together. And uh, so he, he, um, he really was like a, you know, when I, I found in him a really good friend when we first um, got together. And that was really important to me to have someone that I could be authentic, again, be authentic with, be real with. And, you know, we were really um, best friends and we got to travel um, for the first four years. We, um, you know, we got to, we had, we opened our own preaching center in Boulder, Colorado. Uh, we got to go to India and spend about three months there. And we also bought a little camper and kind of traveled around um, America a little bit. So it was, you know, during, during this time, my, um, my connection was definitely with Kormarupa Prabhu. And then also this Mudden was going through his own turmoil with the ISKCON management at this time. And I was feeling a little bit unsettled with kind of where I belonged because belonging was also something that was really important to me. Um, like, like Amal Sham said, how he was in his interview last week, um, how he was always kind of looking for the perfect community. So I also, I, I moved a lot as a child. I, um, by the time I got married at 18, I had lived in 21 houses in five different states of America. So we moved quite a bit. And um, yeah, I was always kind of wanting to find like my, my community and my group. And so, uh, yeah. So, you know, Kormarupa Prabhu was very uh, spiritually grounding. And when we, we visited India in 1998 and he gave us a lot of personal association and it was at that time that Kundali Prabhu was also giving seminars and so even in even by 1998 we were a little bit veering off the traditional path of you know it was Kartik and Vrindavan and we were going to this little house down the road for evening classes with Kundali Prabhu <laughs> with a small group of like 10 people and at the Krishnabalara Mandir, there were, you know, big festivals. So there was, you know, just, yeah, kind of a little bit of questioning, but um, I felt, you know, I felt secure in my spiritual path. I felt secure with um, having, you know, Mudden, Gopal, and then also Kormarupa Prabhu. So it was kind of a, an evened, even stage of my life, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, in that sense. Um, okay, I feel like I need a little focus here. So what should I, so I guess. Yeah, so, so okay, so let's just kind of maybe recap where, yeah. you, where you've gotten to. And so you've, you've grown up and in, in the movement, and, but as you 
got as got as you got older and as you were thinking for yourself and then you got married um you really started to have a search for something maybe even outside of the institution that you grew up in and it seems like going to india and kormarupa and kundali people like this really influenced your your heart to to see that there was more than more in life than maybe what met the eye and you know growing up yeah so, and only i would say only a tiny bit because kormarupa prabhu was very independently thoughtful but he was also very committed to mm -hmm. iskon and so there wasn't there was definitely a sense you know like we yeah there was definitely a sense we we didn't live near temples for the next few years we lived in kansas where it was more families uh, indranujan saki kind of adopted us mm -hmm. so we didn't live yeah it's true we weren't like near the big institution it was more but it was still you know i felt very much i mean my identity was iskon for sure it was you know pralpad and um so yeah thank you for that recap and i i do want to get to um, meeting guru Maharaj because i feel like that um like i said my whole kind of life you know i feel you know i feel very much that um I was led to him. And there's, there's a few things that I thought of a few, I, I call them like samskaras that I remember as a child and growing up. There's just these few things that really stood out to me. Um, so, you know, my, my mother, of course, was, he is a, a big book distributor. And so, um, and we read Lilamrita, Prabhupada Lilamrita when I was in um, Skurakula. And so Guru Maharaj's name, of course, would come up and through these stories and, and all these stories, I knew which of the gurus had fallen away. And so I remember asking my mother, who's this Triparari Swami? I don't, I've never met him. And, you know, and she said, I don't remember exactly what she said, but she said, oh, he, yeah, he was a big, big book distributor. And I said, Did, is he not a devotee anymore? And she said, no, I, he is still a devotee. And, um, you know, but these little things, and, and my mother had this um, pic, this photo album of Didi pictures that I used to look at a lot when I was a child. And she had this big one of Gorni Thai Didis that were dressed really beautifully. They were one was wearing yellow and the other was wearing blue and they had like switched um, head jewelry and necklaces and on the bottom she had handwritten triparari Gorni Thai deities <laughs> but I used to look at that picture all the time because I just thought they were dressed so beautifully and um and yeah these just little 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 pockets and I also remember <laughs> I don't know how, but I just remember this. We had a basement in our preaching center in Lansing. And I remember going down there and there were some books on a bookshelf. My mother always had books that she, yeah, was distributing or, but there was this red book with gold writing and I pulled it out and it said, golden volcano of divine love. <laughs> B.R. Sridhar Goswami. And I don't know, it just, it's like a picture in my mind, like this picture of, 
um, because my parents had actually spent time, they, when I was younger, they were in San Francisco and they were with a devotee there who had spent some time with Srila Sridhar Maharaj. So anyway, these little, little pockets, but mm -hmm. um, we'll fast forward to my twenties. I um, had children also pretty young. My first daughter was born when I was 22. And then my son was born two years later when I was 24. And I had always wanted to be a mother. I knew when I was younger, that was a huge aspiration for me was being a young mother. And, you know, it was extremely healing for me um, because, and that's kind of, I feel like the hero's journey is in being able to integrate the pain and make something beautiful out, it, out of it. So yeah, any painfulness and instability and difficulties that I had as a child, they provided me with what I didn't want to do. Like I, I, I had a very strong um, direction with how I wanted to mother and I really wanted to give them like stability and mm -hmm. um, yeah, just, just a lot of um, traditions as a family and a lot of family time. So they, um, you know, they really, really healed me in a huge way, like being able to mother, especially those, my two older ones. And, but of course it's hard to mothering. I had two children under two years old and it was really hard and it was at that time that we moved to live near my parents and we still do and they you know helped immensely with raising um all three of my children but you know it was really healing I think for them as well to be able to you know live near us and have that um and you know and I definitely spent like the majority of my 20s um, dealing with healing from the traumas of my childhood and mothering kind of opens up your heart. <laughs> and I, I, I would compare it to, it's like they give you a mirror to your heart. So you really see what's inside. And so, um, yeah, I definitely spent a lot of my, the whole, my whole twenties and even early thirties, like really, um, intentionally working on you know the difficulties and things that were hard in my childhood but um it was right so it was it was right um in 2004 so my son had just turned one and my daughter was three and I wrote Kormarupa Prabhu a letter and I told him that I I was really, I felt, I, what I said was, I felt like everything in my life was matching up to what I wanted. You know, I, I, everything was figured out. I had a nice husband, I had nice kids, and my parents lived nearby. Mm -hmm. I was living in a community and I didn't have a guru, you know, and I, and I, 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 I want to say that I did try to have Prabhupada as my guru. I really did. I thought this is just, this is who's my guru. Like I can trust him. He's given me inspiration my whole life. I feel very connected to him, but it, 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 yeah, I couldn't be accountable to him. He couldn't ask me if I was chanting 
and it would always slide. I would, you know, on Vyasa Puja day, I'd be like, okay, this is it. I'm going to, you know, chant every day and do this and this. Mm. And it would, it was, there was not, there was something not missing, something that was not there. And so, yeah, I wrote Koma Rupa Prabhu this letter really saying that I feel like everything has happened in my life and I'm really feeling this need for a guru. Um, and yeah, I believe I sent it and I, yeah, I sent the letter and it was very, very shortly after, maybe even just days where I was at my parents' house and my mother said, oh, I'm going to go up to Sandy Ridge because um, Archana City and Karnamrita invited us to hear from um, Tripurari Swami is visiting. And I remember just hearing his name, like I got like, just like curiosity. And I had actually just recently found a Sangha on the Vaishnavi webpage that he had written mm. and they had posted it there. And I had recently read that just again, just within the few weeks time, all this was happening. And I remember being very impressed with the Sangha, um, the, that, that Sangha um, on the Vaishnavi page about women, it was about women. But, um, but, you know, again, I didn't know anything about him except that he, from what I had read in the Prabhupada Dilamrita. And I should say there, there's one thing that I knew about him was when we lived in Kansas, Ganapati Swami was selling his Bhagavad Gita, Guru Maharaj's translation of the Bhagavad Gita. So I remember we went to one of the programs and Mudden bought one of the Gitas. And just like you said, I was like, what? Wait, why do we, why did he have, why do we have another, why did he write another Gita? We don't need another Gita. And anyway, that was one little blip. And I was like, I'm not looking at that. <laughs> anyway, I can laugh now, but so yeah, I didn't know anything about him, but my mother invited me and she had a place to stay. And so just me and her and my two children, we drove up. And I, um, I can still remember walking into your house and I opened the door and he was sitting on um, the chair by the altar. And um, he looked at me and he said, good evening. And I'm telling you from that word, I was like, this person is different. I was like, he like, and he, he, he welcomed all of us. And he said that, good evening. Thank you so much for coming. And yeah, I, I don't remember the class, but I remember him saying <laughs> good evening. <laughs> but it impacted me so much because again, it was personalism. It was authentic. It was real. But I do remember that the class was also completely blew me away. Like, I, I felt this like literal electricity in my body and my heart. And I was 
I, I, so we, we stayed for at least one or two nights and we went to the morning class. He had a 10 o'clock class and an evening class. And, um, we, we drove home and I told Mudden, I said, you have to meet him. I said, I couldn't, I, I was like, you, you have to go up and meet him. Like his classes are so different. Like he, he knows the philosophy. He, he expresses it in such a way that like you can understand it. So the two, the, the next day, he was in school at the time, Mudden. So the next day, my mother watched our two children and just the two of us drove up just for the class we were. And this is about um, an hour and a half's drive from where we were living at the time. And so um, we went up for the class and um, he, uh, he invited us after the class to come in to meet him into his room. So the two of us went in and Mudden talked for quite a while just about his struggles with ISKCON and his guru at the time. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking like this whole time, like, like this is my guru. Like I, I, I just wrote this letter to Kormarupa. Like I have this need, like it hit me so strongly and, you know, it, it might not even have been that articulate, but I was so drawn to him. And so he talked, we talked for quite a while, at least an hour, maybe even more. And, you know, I was shy, so I didn't really say much. So we paid obeisances to leave. And as we were getting up to leave, he looked at me and he said, and what's your story? <laughs> or, or, or something. Yeah. Like something like that. And who's your, who are you initiated by? That's what he asked also, who are you initiated by? And I told him I'm not initiated. <laughs> and, you know, and I told him just a little bit about, um, myself and, but, you know, I really, I really feel grateful. I feel like Krishna kind of, um, saved me <laughs> for Guru Maharaj I feel really grateful about that because, you know, like I said, it was such a head, uh, a head um, search for me, finding a guru. And it was, you know, something that I wanted to do. And then, you know, it kind of fell off the, the track. But then when I really needed it, when I really felt that, you know, I, have, I must have a girl. I must, I must. Have a girl. like something is missing in my life. You know, I really felt that, that something is missing. And, and then it was, yeah, so almost instantaneous that, um, Guru Maharaj was presented in my life. So. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. That really took me back to that time. Yeah. You know, it was really magical, that whole visit with him. And, I, you know, so much remember you coming and yeah. Darshan with him. And it was, yeah, it was really, those were really special days when we had him coming. It was there. really special. Yeah. And it felt like, you know, again, I had read Prabhupada's books. I had been listening to lectures my whole life. I knew that the philosophy said that you had to accept a guru. And I also knew 
that Prabhupada described it. He described it like electrical current connecting, getting your, you know, connection to the parampara. And it, it was, it was like these little like dominoes, like all this clicking in my head, like, oh, this is what it feels like to be connected. This is the electrical current. I feel it. I know that this is it. Like this is the connection that I've been hearing about for so long. And it's all in the heart, not in the head. <laughs> you know, it's like a total heart. And it was just, yeah, like everything just, yeah, it was this whole clicking. And so, um, so then, then some, yeah, a real messiness started. <laughs> because you know then it was the reality that this is this is who Krishna has guided me to and um I I uh, you know immediately we started getting CDs they would send we got started getting on the calls at that time it was like an evening weekday that we would do the calls and we started getting on that and um we yeah started getting the CDs and I I I listened to those CDs all the time. I remember driving and my kids falling asleep. You know, in we just we were in the parking lot of the grocery store and I would just sit while they slept so that I could hear the wow. CDs. And it was yeah, it was like this. Yeah, it was it was the effect was so. Um, uh, palpable the difference of having like that connection with a real living sadhu and I also started reading the Bhagavad Gita <laughs> um, I knew that yeah I really wanted to read the Bhagavad Gita and so yeah two, I remember 2005 which was actually a very 2005 was um, like in my personal and growth of my um, life was a very difficult year for me. I was dealing with a lot of issues that were coming up for me from my childhood. And so it was a real shelter. But um, yeah, I, I started reading the Bhagavad Gita. And, um, but, and it's, it's kind of embarrassing to say it now. But, you know, the leap was so hard for me. And, you know, I don't, yeah, I don't know um, if people that may, yeah, it's, it's hard to understand, but it, it was, you know, ISKCON was everything to me. You know, it was, it was my history. It was my family. It was my friends. It was my education. It was this mm -hmm. network. I mean, ISKCON when I was growing up was big, but it was so small compared to now. In, in, in one example is that my mother had a, a brother who was a sailor. So he would go do work on ships and we moved again all the time. So he, he would call the Brooklyn temple where she joined. If he ever wanted to figure out where we had moved to, he would call the Brooklyn temple and they would know where we were. Cause that's how it was. Like, you know, my parents were pretty well known and they would give him the next temple that we were living at. And so, yeah, it was, it was a huge, it was everything to me. And I, again, had not had experience 
materially outside of ISKCON. I didn't have any footing in that world. And so, yeah, it was, it was really um, hard. And I want to say also that, um, so there's two things I want to say. So, so we visited Odaria in 2006 of Gorkhurnim. It was March and it was um, very austere. It was very cold at that time. And um, it, it was, it was Guru Maharaj and his ashram, you know, before that I had, he had come to North Carolina and, you know, he was adapting to the environment that your house and, you know, mostly ISKCON devotees. And so he was, you know, he was a, adapting somewhat, but this was him and his ashram. And it was very clear that there was a distinction between Iskan and his ashram and his, you know, group. And that was really hard for me. I had this, I had this hope for many years that somehow I was going to be this bridge that was going to bring him back into Iskan. And, you know, it was really hard for me, the differences in the morning program and the differences of style. And yeah, it was, it was painful. It was, it was um it was a painful time and 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 another and one and one important thing is that um which is a beautiful thing is Guru Maharaj he really takes people for, for where they're at and he I've never met anybody who doesn't see the externals he really sees your heart your internal like attitude and. And so it's a, he levels the playing field, you know, there's no, there's no, um, there's no um, extra kind of not benefits, but you know, that, you know, I, I, yeah, there's no extra benefits from, you know, being born as a devotee or being a disciple of, you know, Srila Prabhupada, or it, it, it was, it was very much like, you, you do the work and then you get the benefit from that work, but it's, it, it is work and it's internal. And, you know, and that was hard. It was, you know, here I am, somebody who's grown up as a devotee, been chanting, and it, it felt like I was a, a new devotee. <laughs> it felt like I was this Bakhtin, this new, you know, not, I didn't know the prayers. <laughs> I didn't know the way the morning program went. I didn't know, you know, it, it's like Amal Sam said yesterday, he wasn't qualified or not yesterday, last week, he wasn't qualified to sweep the floor. Like it felt like that. Like I'm, I'm the new person here. I don't like, I, I felt like I don't, I don't belong here yet. Like mm. this isn't, this isn't. Um, so yeah, it was, it was beautiful and it was, um, it was trying, but he, um, he gave a Vyas Puja lecture and I believe it was the fourth verse of the, of, of the um, Guru Vastakam, which I'm so excited. I saw Guru Nishta is making that into a book. So um, he, yeah, it was the fourth verse that year. And again, I just remember sitting in that lecture and being just completely captured and 
And, um, and I, I remember I asked some question at the end, something, something related again to gurus falling down, kind of this hesitancy, like, well, you know, you're talking all about the guru and what about people that are, um, have gurus that, or gurus do fall down, you know, and, and I don't, I don't remember exactly what he said, but it was, it was a little bit like, you're here with me now. It's, you know, like, like, don't worry, don't worry. And um, yeah, it was just a really, really powerful um, visit and, you know, and, and trying as well. And on our last day there, um, they got a new cow named Suki. <laughs> Grumaj named her Suki, which means happiness. And she, um, she really did not want to be there. They had to drag her off of the trailer and pulling her and then she was jumping and running and <laughs> it was it was so like the parallels to me were so obvious and Guru Maharaj was just patient and he was laughing and and he really liked this cow Suki he really liked her but I remember just looking at her thinking, same, honey, same. I feel you. <laughs> I feel you. And she, yeah, finally they got her in the pen, but it was, it, she was not happy and she was just running and bucking. And, but anyway, she kind of became my like patron cow. I, I had a picture of her on my, <laughs> because I, yeah, I, I was a little bit like that, like drag. Um, but finally, um, yeah, finally, Guru Maharaj. Well, he, you know, he he was ready to initiate me earlier, and I had done. I had put my like a self-imposed um, restriction that I really wanted to finish the Gita before I was initiated. I wanted to finish reading the Bhagavad Gita, his Bhagavad Gita. And so I told him that, and you know, and he he said um, something to the effect like that's good, you know, but also initiation, like you you'll the advancement that you'll make from making that formal connection is important. Um, so I um, I believe I did finish the Bhagavad Gita because that verse, the verse at the end, um, Sarva Dharma Prithyaja was kind of, I clung to that verse mm -hmm. and the purport to that verse was very powerful because I, I really was leaving a lot behind. And um, so I did, we had an initiation at someone's house. It was hosted in their yard because of course we weren't allowed to have it at the temple, which I was very much a part of at the time. Um, but Guru Maharaj gave a really beautiful lecture and he glorified, there was quite a few, um, you know, ISKCON devotees that had grown up in ISKCON that were there. Um, my parents and Mahara and Agni Dave was there and Mitra Sain and you both, Archana and Parnam. And he, um, he, yeah, he really, he, yeah, he really glorified them and made it a really community event and, 
a lot of devotees um, came to support me, many who would not have normally come to hear from him and who never came again either, <laughs> except for that one initiation. But um, also many devotees didn't come, you know, and I really feel like after the initiation was where my real trial by fire came <laughs> and the real messiness came because, um, you know, Guru Maharaj is kind of the guru of gray, right? Gray thinking. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and so, and, but I was, I was still trying to take my black and white thinking and, you know, fit it, fit it into the box of his sangha. So, you know, I, 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 even though he never told me that, I mean, that when he left after I got initiated, that when he left and went back to Odaria, he told me, so do service at the temple as they're willing to let you and be a good example because you're reflecting me now. You know, so that's what he told me. And so I took that to heart and I did, you know, I did service at the temple. I started cooking evening offerings, but I, um, you know, I had such a black and white thinking. I had, um, I had, I had this, um, well, and, you know, in some ways, maybe I needed it to have a little bit more distance, but I wanted I wanted, it was almost like I was trying to replace my experience in ISKCON with Sri Chaitanya Sangha. Mm -hmm. You know, like, okay, well, I'm giving this up. So now what am I getting from that? And, you know, and, and there, you know, there, it's like, yeah, any spiritual group, any institution, there's, there, you know, there was fanatical devotees in there, there was impersonalism, there was inauthenticity. And that was really hard for me. You know, I felt like I'm wanting to belong. I want to be part of a community. I want to be, um, have a guru and have that experience of God's siblings. It was really important to me. And, you know, and at the time it was very, it was just very small. We had, you know, very little even here in North Carolina and Odaria was a monastic place. So I just didn't fit in there. And, um, and so there was a lot of, um, I just had a lot of fear. I had a, I had a lot of shedding to do a lot of cultural distinctions. You know, I had fear that my children were going to be ostracized. I had fear and I did, I had really difficult experiences with spiritual prejudice, you know, our local guru giving lectures, talking about, you know, um, the distinction between, ISKCON and other groups and even at one point there was a sannyasi that was specifically asked to come to our area to speak about you know how Srila Sridhar Maharaj is not to be listened to like specifically to preach against him and um and you know and I did lose friends I lost well-wishers people that I had known my whole life growing up that I, yeah, I lost and, you know, it, it, um, there, you know, there was definitely times where I felt, um, yeah, just, just alone and kind of that fear. It was, it was, it was one of, yeah, it was really one of the most like scary 
things that I had done. Like, 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 <laughs> I know it. I don't know. No, I totally, I'm, I'm totally with you it was, on it. <laughs> it was like this, yeah, this total unknown of what, but, you know, Gurmaj used to always say how, um, and he's, I remember him saying it a lot in those early, early lectures at your house, but he would always say how um, we all have our flute song that we have to listen to and that, you know, you just have to go. And then when you get there, you find, oh, you heard it also, you know, and you heard it also, and then you find your group, you know, so I, um, you find your people, he used to say, like, you know, your people. And so, um, so yeah, I, I think I really um, clung to that. And I always trusted him, you know, not, not that it was always easy. I definitely had, um, yeah, times where my ego was way um, <laughs> egotistical. Um, yeah, and, and I thought I knew better than him and I was very bold and with communicating with me. And he, you know, he was, he still is, but he was, especially in those days, he was just so kind and so affectionate and even um, one time in particular where he was very heavy with me, um, he sent me an email that was really intense, putting me in my place. <laughs> but, you know, he, he would always, um, and then after a few hours later, he checked in on me. You're probably feeling a little, <laughs> a little bit intense, but, you know, he, he yeah, I, I, it was, and sometimes I did have to step back. Like he says, you know, sometimes you're too close to the fire and sometimes you have to pull back a little bit. So I did have like a year or two or, you know, doubts and kind of that feeling of, um, you know, belonging. And again, it, it really comes down to that his, his, his teachings and his group is um, so based on spiritual essence. It's not based on the externals. It's like, again, you have to hear that song, that flute song, and then find your group. But we wanna do, at least me, I think most people, but I wanted to do it the other way. I wanted to find my group and then go together. <laughs> you know, but you can't, you can't always have that. So anyway, it, it's been a journey and, you know, things steadily, our Sangha grew in 2008 was the Gorbi Jai Mandir opening, which was a really um, beautiful festival to be at. And I remember we took a group picture and it felt like I am, I belong to, um, you know, this, this group. And then we went in 2011, a whole bunch of us from North Carolina went for Janmastami to Odaria and that was really sweet. And then of course, Sargrahi really rallied us together. It, you know, I feel like it, it was a huge benefit to me personally and our family. And it, um, it, for the time that it was there, it was a huge benefit for sure. Yeah. It was just an immense blessing for us. Um, yeah. And then just, you know, just learning patience because now, um, you know, now over the years, so many good friends of mine have come under Grimage's shelter. And, you know, and I found so many people even that, uh, 
Krishna brought that, you know, were part of my childhood, like you and Mahar and Mitra and um, Bhakti Rasa, I knew from Dallas when I was just like 13 years old. And yeah, so all these devotees that, um, yeah, that Krishna brought to, and Sumati, Sumati I knew, Sumati was at our wedding in Denver. I knew her when I was in Denver. And so, yeah, it's, it's really sweet to find um, your group. And it's, I really look forward to meeting more of the wonderful devotees that are here. And, and I just want to end with saying um, that, you know, my messiness now is like, um, you know, seeing all the gifts that I've been given and so much, um, it, you know, just, yeah, so much of a foundation that I have. And then, you know, Guru Maharaj's guidance and, you know, so the messiness for me now is like, okay, well, what am I like, I have to, you know, make this, I have to keep it's, it's, it, there's no end to spiritual life. It's always, you're always new, you're always progressing, you're always stripping away those layers. And, you know, this October will be two years since I've seen Guru Maharaj. And that's the longest that I've ever since 2004 that I've ever gone without having him. And so I realized these last two years, how much I was relying on um, that, like, you know, the two, the two inches grace and effort. <laughs> well, I was relying on too much grace and not enough effort because that's, it's just magic when he's around. It's the grace is flowing and it just, there's no effort it just so yeah just the realization that you know this is it does take effort it does take commitment you know getting to a place of um steadiness and um yeah it, it takes that commitment it takes you know I can't just rely on um the grace even though I love I love being around devotees and I love being around <laughs> all our when we have our programs and our festivals then you know it's it is so nourishing for me and um I do need devotee association desperately I I realized that as well the past two years that I can't I can't I'm not very strong as strong as I thought I was and it's amazing that in the last two years how much the sangha has gone all over the world i mean it's yes not, i mean effortlessly seeming effortlessly but it's of course there's been the whole everything that guru Maharaj has been doing for the last you know 50 years of his life you know really planting seeds and writing yeah books and you know all his talks that are out there and then you know to have attracted devotees like pamanava swami who yeah who, you know and so it's really to me it's like wow I never expected you know like when right. he kind of didn't work out but to see so much more has worked out in a in a way we wouldn't have expected or right you know, yeah. so it's, it's like yeah the being patient with Krishna's plan that's what totally yeah totally being patient and, and realizing yeah that um, you know, being part of the Chaitanya tree, every, the branches are going to grow in their own way. And, and you know, yeah. 
yeah, it, it has been really sweet to see and that sense of like, I saw the pictures from the um, Finland okay. yeah. uh, retreat. They had a retreat there with Padmanabhaswami and, you know, it's just that sense of like, oh, I have a family yeah. there and yeah, I, I want to go. I'm going to, I want to plan on going next time. And yeah, it's very, it's, yeah. it's sweet. And I, you know, I think some people need that more than others. And um, you know, I, I, I'm someone who kind of does, even though I do, you know, I feel small is beautiful. There's so much that can be in small, but it is very, very sweet to see how many people have been influenced and attracted by Guru Maharaj. Just, you know, for me to be, have seen over the last years to kind of be part of watching that growth. Well, I'm just so, so happy that Krishna made you part of this group because I, I mean I remember meeting you probably I don't know maybe you were 16 15 no probably even younger than that maybe. yeah because you used to bring or Ryan to or Nitagaranga to school yeah yeah well he was he was staying there in North Carolina at the, at the ashram and you you were yeah there. oh yeah because I used to visit my brother he my brother went to Baltimore too yeah, but yeah. it was actually, I think the first time I met you was at Irmala's school. Yeah. 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 And then, yeah. So anyway, I just was so impressed with you. I, we just, you were so mature and so good with adults. Like I remember having a real conversation with you, you know, most of the kids, you know, <laughs> didn't have that kind of connection. They were still very kids, you know, they, you know, they would, okay, you know, say hello to you but not want to stop and actually sit down and talk to you you know you're you're an adult I had a lot of adult friends I think living in a preaching center and there there were you know there were kids that came but somehow I used to always I had a lot of adult, <laughs> adult. you were very you were very mature and we I remember having some really sweet conversations with you and Aww. it was like wow I really I really love this girl you know Aww, <laughs> I wish you. she was a little younger because I would think about her as a possibility <laughs> for my son <laughs> right that's what everybody thought <laughs> that was it she was the yeah you were you were the the star you know girl coolie out there <laughs> So we just have, I mean, I know we've gone kind of long, but I just wanted to see if we have anybody who has a burning question that you would like to ask. Um, so if you do unmute yourself, see Sakirati just came on and she unmuted. So yes. go for it. Yeah. Thank you so much for the interview. It was very oh. inspiring. And definitely you have a family over here. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you can come anytime. <laughs> I know. Thank you. Yeah. And um, I have a question regarding the fact that you say that you were raised as um, as to be a wife, right? So, what do you feel about it? Because I, I honestly disagree with that kind of um, teaching because I feel like they brought here the in Indian culture, but without filters and they just throw it there. So how you felt also about it? So how I feel now or how I felt? Both. <laughs> um, okay, so, um, you know, how I felt about it was, um, 
I mean, I, it was, I was raised that way. So it was normal. And all my friends also were getting married young and, you know, we didn't, I didn't, we didn't talk to boys like at all. Like, yeah, it was very, um, yeah. I, I mean, I didn't really have friends that were men or so I, it was just part of the natural progression that, you know, this, my next stage will be. And, you know, for me personally, that's why it was really important that I had someone that I could be really good friends with, you know, cause I wanted, um, you know, I wanted that relationship to be, you know, also someone that I could grow with and, um, you know, and then definitely like over the years, I, I struggled with um, the, how young I was and how, um, yeah, just not um, doing maybe, yeah, just not doing things that I might have wanted to do. Even, even like living in an ashram, I would have loved to live in an ashram actually. <laughs> um, that, that, that was kind of my, one of my aspirations. Um, and, you know, I went back to, well, I went to school, to college, um, when I was 34. So I had no higher education. I finished, finished, finished high school. Um, so that was, um, a little bit tough. I, you know, I started school when I was pregnant with my third child and I completed my, um, nursing school education with three children. <laughs> So that was, that was something that was tough and that, you know, might've been um, nicer to do when I was young, but I really, at this point, like how I feel now at this point in my life, I don't, um, I don't have any like regrets or like anger towards my, you know, mother for kind of guiding this way that my life went you know, for, for her, that seemed, um, like, uh, the best way to grow and to have, you know, have a partner when they're, when you're young and, um, <coughs> you know, so we, we raised our children differently. My daughter's, um, going to be 20 in October and we are driving her um, to Boston, which is a 12 and a half hour drive from where we live. <laughs> so she's going to be about six states away from us, living in a dorm and going to a liberal arts college. So <laughs> a very, very different experience of um, early life than I had. And um, that was just kind of the way it went, it wasn't so much like a conscious, um, maybe not so much a conscious decision of, uh, but, you know, kind of seeing where she was led and what she wanted to do. And she knew that she wanted to, um, you know, go to college and, uh, yeah, it's a different generation for sure. So, but thank you. Yeah, it, it has its pros and cons for sure. But for me, um, it did work out. In, and I in just wanted to just interject one little thing that might be important to note was that Gurungi Priya didn't have the pressure to be in a um, traditional kind of 
Vedic situation where she was the submissive wife and that she only, you know, she that she couldn't go to school or she, right. you know, it, she had a very, she and Mudden have a very equal kind of relationship and they are you know, like best friends. So I think that makes a tremendous difference. And your parents also have that kind of more like that kind of relationship. And so I think part of the, the, the discomfort that I have with it is, yeah, when you put girls into situations where they, they can't be who, they, you know, they have to just come under the, the shelter of a man and not have their own way of thinking or doing and developing the way that they need to. Yeah, but, that's a really good point. And actually, um, Mudden was always yeah, super supportive and, and um, not just supportive, but uh, helpful in, you know, whatever I wanted to do. Actually, we, the only other thing, I knew I wanted to be a mother. And the other thing is I wanted to be a dancer. I had studied Bharat Natyam dance when I was younger. And so when I was 19 or so, yeah, 19 or 20, we, uh, I said that I wanted to formally take lessons and graduate you know you have like a program and then you graduate with a um it's called an r engagement where you have a solo debut performance so we we he we just went across the country looking for a teacher and then i found one and we just settled there and yeah he was always really supportive of that and um and then he he didn't go to school either he started school um, when he was 28, he had joined the temple young as well. So we both kind of did um, different route of education. So yeah, and I supported him when he was going and then, um, and then I went as well. So yeah, I think it, it, it could have gone um, a different way for sure. So thank you so much. And I, I, <clears throat> It's now one o'clock, so I think we... Okay, sorry. <laughs> no, don't be sorry. It was wonderful. And there is a comment from Anupurna. Maybe, Martin, you could read that, and then we can fin finish on that. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, my mother was very inspired and, um, she also listened for many years. Um, and they both are supportive of me. Yeah. 
So that's their story to tell, but they, um, yeah, they're definitely supportive of um, Guru Maharaj and yeah, they both were there at my initiation and supported it. Okay, so I'm gonna wrap this up and thank you again. And there's that beautiful husband of yours in the background there. And um, I just want to say that next week we have another um, finishing of a couple because we had uh, Sakirati last month and then this month that they to finish her month we're going to have Shamananda. So we're really looking forward to getting. Now we've got couples that we can start putting together. <laughs> so um, we look forward to that interview next week. And thank you both for being part of the sangha. I just you know. I have so much affection for both of you and so glad that you're with us. Thank you, Archana. Because <laughs> <laughs> of you. Karnamrita, we'll give him all the Karnamrita. Because of Karnam, for sure. Yeah. He, he, he dragged me into it. I went kicking, yeah. screaming like, the, like Suki. <laughs> Okay, yeah. dear devotees, Hare Krishna, Hare Bo. Hare Bo.